verse it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Welcome to all of you. Uh, can you just look at your neighbor and tell them, I am so blessed to be part of the church of the Lord in these last days. Can you repeat? I am so blessed to be part of the church of the Lord in these last days. It's a blessing. Not everybody got an opportunity to be part of the church of the Lord in these last days. But you have it. And there should be a reason why you are here for such a time as this. And indeed, the Lord has got something to do with each one of us. I think some weeks back we were talking about thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the question is, how often do you consult heaven in what you do? Because if we say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to know what's going on in heaven. We need to be in constant touch with the Lord that when we do things on the earth, we are reflecting the will of God on the earth. It's like an ambassador who needs to be in constant fellowship and constant touch with his or her country. So that whatever that ambassador is bringing here, it's exactly what the country is saying. And you need to even know what is the latest in your kingdom. So which means it's necessary for us to always be connected to the Father. Before I give you the topic for what we're going to share today, can I just take you through these three scriptures? Just look at how Jesus did it and how Paul did it. The issue of making sure that we do not live our own way but we always consult with the Father. David also did it. After he became king, he would always consult and find out. Because sometimes you would find that because of not consulting, we suffer shipwreck. We go through things, and then after that things don't work out, we go back with a lot of losses and a lot of regrets. But if we could just listen to the Master and be in tune to his spirit, then... We will move with him and know that the steps of the Lord, of a good man, are directed by the Lord. John 5.30, in the New King James Version, I will read it together with John 8.28 and 29, New King James Version. Jesus says, John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I want you to look at that. So even though Jesus knew that he was God and he probably understood God better than any one of us, he still says, I don't do things my way. I listen to the Father and let the Father direct me on his will. So the challenge is how often are we consulting with the Father? John 8, 28 and 29, New King James says, Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I want you to look at this closely. Even Jesus, he always wanted to know what is the will and the plan of the Father. You need to understand this background, and I'm going to give you what we're going to talk about today. So let's go to Romans 15, verse 8, AMPC. It's Paul now this time. Paul says, For of course I will not venture to speak thus of any work except what Christ has actually done through me as an instrument in his hands to win obedience from the Gentiles by the word and deed. So Paul says, whatever I do, whatever I seem to have accomplished, it is not me. It was Christ working through me. I was just his vessel. Okay? We get that. Now, today I want us to talk about building the church of the Lord. 
Okay? With that context, so if we are saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and if we talk about building the church of the Lord, then we need to know how the Lord wants the church to be built. I'm talking about the church of the Lord as the body of Christ. Okay? We can have the church of the Lord mainly as the body of Christ, but we can also talk about buildings. But for now, for this specific thing, I want to talk about the body of Christ as us, as the church. Okay? Members one of another. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 in the Passion Translation. Because we're going to talk about building the church of the Lord. But we're talking about the church of the Lord in the, as the body of Christ. Believers. Okay? Now, actually let's start with Matthew 16, 18. I'll do it in NLT and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 3, 9. So Matthew 16, 18, NLT, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Okay? You need to understand this introduction very well. So who is building the church? Jesus. Let's all say Jesus. He's building the church. So he is the owner of the church. He says, I will build my church. So he builds the church and it's his. And if he builds the church and it's his, all the powers of hell cannot overcome it, cannot prevail against it. So whatever the devil would want to do, he cannot destroy the church. Okay? So what we need to be careful about as human beings, when we want to build with the Lord, we need to know that he is the one who is building. We are just co-workers with him in building his church. Okay? If we, do not, if we want to build without the Lord, then we are building our own organizations. We are building social clubs and we call them churches. That's why you will see a lot of what people call churches, you wonder if probably not a church. Because we are not building, allowing the Lord to build his church through us. I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 in the Passion Translation. It says, we are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Okay. So Matthew says, Jesus is building his church. Isn't it? But here in 1 Corinthians 3.9, it says, we are co-workers with God when he is building his house. Do you get that? I want you to understand this well. So Jesus is building his church, but he needs you and I as co-workers. Let me give you a simple example. For those of you who know builders, I'm not sure if we've got builders among us. In the morning session, at least I could refer to one of them who's a builder. So, if you are a builder, let's say you've got a company for building. We say, I want Moses and company to come and build the church for us. Okay? And then I use the name, I say, they say, who built that church for you? I say, Moses. Okay? But is it really Moses himself who built and does everything? Hmm? He's got people that he works with, isn't it? People who build that, but they, it's accredited to Moses to have built that house. Let me take a simple one. Those of you from Limpopo, there next to Njarere, there is, a, there is a tunnel. It's called, I don't know if it's changed now. It used to be called Henrik Ferfur Tunnel. I don't know if it's changed now, but let's use that. So when they were calling it Henrik Ferfur Tunnel, the thinking was that Henrik Ferfur probably built it, but do you think he built it? So there were people who built it, but we don't hear about them. We hear about Hendrik Ferfur. Okay? But we say it's Hendrik Ferfur who built it. I want you to think of that and then say, Jesus says, I will build my church, but he needs us as he builds. Amen? It says we are co-workers with him. Now, if it's his church, 
Who should bring the plan? Him. Isn't it? Because when you are going to build, the owner must bring the plan. If it says, it's my church that I'm building, he needs to bring the plan. The problem with most of us is that we say we are building the church of the Lord, but we are doing it without God's plan. So if you do it without God's plan, then you're probably building your church, not the Lord's church. No wonder you would find, even in churches, things start creeping in, and you start finding people having groups in church. This one is that one's group. This one is that one's group. As if we are building our own empires within the kingdom of God. So I want you to look at this closely with me. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. In the Good News Translation, this will lay a foundation for us that when we want to build, you know in the natural when you want to build, you need a plan. Tell your neighbor, when you build, you need a plan. And you've got to build according to the plan. Amen. So you've got to build according to the plan. You've got to follow the plan. So do you think then the Lord is building a church without a plan? Huh? Do you think the Lord is building a church without a plan? I think he's got a plan. I think he's got a pattern. And he wants everybody who is involved in building to follow their plan. So let's go together. Hebrews 8, 5, Good News Translation. It says, The work they do as priests is really only a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. It is the same as it was with Moses. When he was about to build the sacred tent, God told him, be sure to make everything according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. I want you to get this. So here the author of Hebrew says, the priests when they work here on the earth, they are actually following a pattern. They are following a heavenly pattern of worship. When you read the book of Revelations, you would hear about the 24 elders, the four living creatures, praising, worshiping. So it means there is a pattern in heaven that when Moses was to build a tabernacle of the Lord, even if it was a, 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 a physical structure, he had to follow a plan. He had to build it according to the pattern that he was shown on the mountain. You get that? So it says build it according to the pattern that you were shown on the mountain. So as we are going to talk about building the church of the Lord, I will pick several things that just show us how the church should be built. The Lord's church. But of course, if we are building our own churches, then we don't need to mind much about the pattern. But if we want to do it, the, if it's the Lord's church, then we've got to follow the plan. We've got to follow the pattern. So let's go together to the book of Ephesians. So as you are going to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. I want to say to you, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell, tell your neighbor, shall not prevail against you and I because we are the church of the Lord. Amen. So when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, he's talking about you and I. So may the gates of hell not prevail against us. May we be so much in tune with the Lord that we are connected to the master. We are connected to the source of life. We are connected to the one who said, he is the almighty God. And if he's building the church, the devil cannot destroy it. Amen. That's why the church should live beyond ourselves. So if I'm said to be somebody whom God used to find to establish Jesus as the Savior Church, it should live beyond me if it's the church of the Lord. Amen? Because the owner of the church is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? But if we are building our own organizations, then those organizations usually when the leader goes, the, the organization goes. But if it's the church of the Lord, it's got to remain. The church of the Lord should continue to march on 
Coronavirus or no coronavirus, the church of the Lord is moving. Amen. So let's look at this. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, NLT. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay. So we read in Matthew, it says, I will build my church. Okay. And then in 1 Corinthians, it says, the house is building his church. Now here it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now, I want to say this to you. Do you know that many people say, I don't need to go to church. I am the church myself. You've heard that, isn't it? Especially now with, with the online things and all that. I'm the church myself. So let's see if your church fits this. Unless if it's your church. But if it's the Lord's church, it's got to fit his pattern. Isn't it? Yeah. If you are building your church, then it's fine. Your church can be defined the way you want. But if you are a co-worker with God and you are part of building the Lord's church, let it fit the pattern. You get that? So it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, to the body of Christ. It says he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. It's not just one person at home. You see that? This is the church. Are you getting that? Huh? Or some of you, because English is not your first language, because it doesn't say peoples. You think, you think it's one person. No, people, people is plural. Okay? So it says their responsibility is to equip God's people. Plural. To do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You see that? So the church is the body of Christ. So the fivefold ministry, or those who are called into the ministry, they equip us to do the work of the Lord, but we are building with the Lord. All of us are important in this. You will see as we go. Verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in faith. All means all. It means all of us. Even people who are not members of Jesus, the Savior Church, any church where people are serving the Lord, that's what Christ is talking about. He says we need to be united and be one. So one other ingredient of the church of the Lord Jesus is that it is united. He says until we all come to the unity of faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You remember, last week she was teaching us about beware of the living of the Pharisees, all these teachings. So he says, the work of the fivefold ministries and all of us, is to make sure that we train and equip each other that will no longer be like babies tossed to and fro by winds of new teachings. So we've got to teach you. And then it says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. You see this word, the church, is repeated many times. Mm. And it's not talking about you, your body. It's not talking about your body. It's talking about the body of Christ, which includes you and I. So I need you, you need me. All of us together, we form the body of Christ. He is our head, verse 16. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want you to get this clearly. Okay. Look at me. Since I came here to the fall, there's one part of my body that's mainly at work here. Which part is that? It's my mouth, isn't it? Speaking. Speaking. 
But do you know that my feet have been keeping me here since I started speaking? Keeping me standing. So sometimes you don't even see. And you just think it's the mouth working. Yes, you can see that. But my feet have to equally cooperate for my mouth to deliver the message. Because if the feet decide to boycott, the mouth will not be able to do what it needs to do. So my mouth needs my feet, my legs. And my mouth needs my eyes to make sure that I'm preaching to people. There are people here in front of me. So you thought the one part that's working very hard is the mouth, isn't it? Now can you see that the eye has been working equally hard? But you didn't see it. Because as I'm preaching, I need to be seeing you. So it means all parts of my body, they work perfectly well. And each part has got a special role to play. You get that? Okay, now let's do this. Do you think there's any part of my body that is not important? Okay. Because I think of parts of the body and think, are all these parts very important? The other time I was thinking about the hair, like for some of us. Think, but what's the value? Then I realized, oh, by the way, even the eyelash is this top one. You know that sometimes ladies will take it off and still put a color on it to show that it's still needed. Isn't it? So you can take it off, but you will have to put a color to show that it's still important. Isn't it? So even those parts that we think are not important, they are important. So if in our own body every part is important, do you think in the body of Christ some parts are not important? Hmm? So your own parts, you feel they are all important, isn't it? So don't you think Christ's body should also have all parts important? Doesn't then that mean your neighbor is very important? Doesn't it mean we all need each other here? We may not all be preaching here in the front, but we all have a role to play. And as we are part, partners in, with God to build his church, we need to cooperate with one another. Each part doing its role. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 18 to 27, but I will read. I think I'll just go through that quickly so that you can understand how parts in the body work together. And Paul equates this to the body of Christ. So if in my body parts don't compete, why should the parts of the body of Christ compete? The parts of my body complement one another. Like I told you, I'm preaching, I'm using my mouth mainly, but my eyes are cooperating, my legs are also standing, my hands also show that they are also at work. You see, they also just point to show that we are also busy here. My mind is working. My mind has to be in perfect state to work. Otherwise, you will hear I'm talking things that don't make sense, even if the mouth is still speaking. So it means each part of the body has got important role to play and we need to be aligned one with another. So as the body of Christ, we need to be complementing one another. If this body has to grow and we should not be divided, we need to be united and each one of us play a special role in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 27 NLT says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So it means, tell your neighbor, so you need me. Never say you don't need me. Amen. There are some people who think they don't need us. Some will even say, no, I don't even need the pastor. What a strange body you are. <laughs> You've heard Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, how I wonder what you are. <laughs> because you're surprising us. 
He says here, the hand never say, I don't need you. This part doesn't say, I don't need you. I need you. You need me. We all have different roles to play. I think the problem with some of the believers is that you come to church as passengers. Just come to be saved. But do you know that the fact that you are part of the body of Christ in the last days, he needs you. We need you. There is a role that you must play. And you, you, you. Amen. Okay. So he says, in fact, verse 22, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. You know that there are some parts that don't like public ministry. Hmm, they are working behind the scene. But they are still important. So it means it's not, you don't always have to all be here in front. But we all have a role to play. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Tell your neighbor, we need to care for each other. Amen. So in other words, we care for each other because we belong to the same body. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each one of you is a part of it. You get that? So I want you to understand this. So he says, when one part suffers, the whole body suffers with it. I usually hear people saying, I couldn't go to work. I had severe headache. But we don't ask them, do you go to work with your head? Because if you've got severe headache, the whole body ceases to function. It's all suffering, isn't it? So it means when something goes wrong, even if you just hear, you see, the, the body of Christ, especially in this last day, you hear, you know somebody loves God and they diligently, they are very much committed to God. And somehow something goes wrong in their lives and you hear things, bad things that they have done and you rejoice. But you are part of that body. You need to feel hurt. Isn't it? Especially if you know this person, I know they love God. I know they were not pretending. I know probably they were just overtaken by iniquity. And pray for them. Amen? But if you rejoice when one part is feeling the pain, then you are not part with that part of the body. Amen? So it says all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you part of one another. Now, let me zoom this close to home for all of us now. I'm going to be specific now about what each one of us, because when I want you to think of your role here in church now. And you need to ask yourself, am I just a passenger here? Or am I really, what is really my role here? Or what is my role in the body of Christ at large? Am I doing something? Surely it can't be that there is nobody who doesn't have a role. It can't be that there is nobody who is useful, who every, somebody is useless among us. Because we agreed that in the parts of your body, all parts have got a role to play. So similarly in the body of Christ, every part has got a role to play. Now, I want to look at a local church and see how we can all here have a role to play. If we want the church of the Lord to grow, if we are part of building the church of the Lord, it can't just rest on the pastor. Because it's not my church, it's the Lord's church. Amen? And he says, you are co-workers with him. I am a co-worker with him. You are a co-worker with him. So we need to cooperate and follow the plan of the Lord as we build his church. Now, Paul dedicates the book of Romans chapter 16. When you go home, read all of it. Romans chapter 16, he's just acknowledging the roles of people that people were doing in church. And he mentions them by name. Greet so and so, she did this and this. Greet this one, he did this and this. 
Greet the elder Maluleke. He's so special. He did this and this. Greet the local pastor, Humsimango. Greet Dr. Makado. Greet Mr. Majambe. Greet this one. Greet this one. And when he was mentioning them, he was also saying, what are they doing in the church? Okay? Now, I want us to go there. I'll just pick a few to show you the point that I'm bringing here to say they have specific things that they are doing, each one of them specific tasks that they are doing. So let's go. Romans chapter 16. I'll start this one from verse 3 to 5a, but then I'll pick verses. When you go home, read all of it, you will hear a lot of people mentioned there. But I want us to pick some individuals and now try to think, if it were among us, would Paul talk about some of us like this? Because if we are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to have people like these ones. Isn't it? I need people like the ones that I'm going to read about. Because if we say we are the body of Christ and we are growing, we are building, each one of us has got to be special in something. Look at this. Romans chapter 16, I'll study 3 to 5a. NIV, I'm doing it in the NIV. MJ, I will give you later a chance to read for the sake of time. It says, Great Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Great also the church that meets at their house. I want us to quickly look at Priscilla and Aquila. I want congregants like this. <laughs> he says, Great Priscilla and Aquila for me. They are my co-workers. They risked their lives for me. How many congregants can risk their life for their pastor? I'm reading. He says they risked their lives for me. And he says, it's not only I now who is thankful to them. All the churches of the Gentile are grateful to them because they risk their lives for me. And now it benefits not only I as Paul, but all the churches of the Gentiles have benefited. So the churches are thankful to Aquila and Priscilla. Whatever risk they took on behalf of Paul, I do not know. He doesn't say that. He only says they risked their lives for me. And I'm thankful to them. And the churches of the Gentiles are also thankful. When I read this, I'm reminded of, you remember the time when Absalom was rebelling against his father David? Absalom had an army. David had an army. And when they were to go and fight with Absalom's, against Absalom's army, you remember the soldiers of, of David, what they said to David? Read your Bible. But I can, for today, I will tell it. So they say, you don't need to go with us to war. Because if you get killed, you are worth a thousand of us, just you alone, as the king. You remember that? Read it in your scriptures. It's there in your Bibles. So they say, so it means those people, and that's what used to happen actually in those days. The moment they kill the king, they've won. That's chess also, isn't it? The king has to be protected, isn't it? So, when they said, you are worth more than a thousand of us, they were saying, even if we lose a thousand soldiers, but you are still there, we are still sorted. Okay? I want you to get this because I'm, I'm, I'm just linking these things for you so that you understand. So that you can also see the importance of each one of you keeping on praying for me. Okay? Keeping on praying for me. Keep on praying for me. Take it serious. I still need to continue. I won't say I'm worth this, 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 this. But I'm just telling you, you need me. Amen. So he says, Priscilla and Aquila, they risked their lives for who? For me. So we need people in church who would be like this, Priscilla and Aquila. They even offered their house for church services. Okay? When you are still needing the Lord to bless you with something, you say, Lord, bless me with this. If you bless me, I will serve you. I will do this. But now you've got houses, you've got cars, and you don't use them for the Lord. 
So we need Aquilas and, and Priscilla's who would even use their substance, their belongings to serve God. Let's go to another one. Verse 10a. This one, I like this one. Great Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. That word fidelity, I had to go and check it. It means loyalty. That's simple. That's the, we understand loyalty better than fidelity, isn't it? So, it says, Great Apelles, whose loyalty to Christ has stood the test. Now, I want to ask you this. Do you know that people who are no, not loyal to Christ, somebody just offends them in church and they no longer, they quit Christ. They no longer want to serve God because so and so did this. Then you are not loyal to Christ. Your loyalty to Christ should stand the test of time. It says great appeal is whose loyalty has stood the test. It means there were things that came that wanted to separate Apelles from Christ and he stood with Christ. You get that? That's why the Bible says, Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulation, hunger, peril, sword, life, death, this, that. And he says, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Amen. Come what may, I'm sticking with Christ. Can we all say that? Come what may, I'm sticking with Christ. Then we'll be like Apelles. It says, great Apelles, whose loyalty to Christ has stood the test. Okay, let's go to others. Verse 16 and verse 12. Great, verse 6 and verse 12. Great Mary, who worked very hard for you, Verse 12, great Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. I'm reading. I'm not exaggerating. Did you display that, guys? Yeah. You see that? It's in your Bible. So some people were known as hard workers in church. And surprisingly, these are all ladies. I don't know why. But it says, Great Mary, she's a hard worker. Great Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women very, worked very hard in the Lord. Great my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. So I need women like Mary, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, and the Lord needs them. Hard workers in church. Amen? As we are building, each one of us should have a role, a part to play. Now let's go to verse 23. There are many, but I'm just picking these ones, and then we will uh, go to Colossians and try to start winding down. Romans 16, 23, it says, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus sends you their greetings. Okay, now let me look at Gaius and Erastus. So it says Gaius was known for hospitality. Okay? So Gaius was generous, but he was known for hospitality. In other words, you visit Gaius, you will see what hospitality is. You visit the pastor, Gaius would be there, for, to entertain the guests of the pastor. Whose hospitality? The whole church and I enjoy. You see what? Who was enjoying the hospitality of Gaius? Did you see that? Paul says, I and the whole church. So it means we need to have some Gaius among us. Okay? We need to have some of them. If the church has to grow fitly joined together, because this is in your Bible. But the surprising one for me was this Erastus. When he says, who is the city's director of public works? This sounds like city of Cape Town, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, this doesn't sound, this is not, so I'm wondering why does he mention this when it's not, it's in church, but he's mentioning the city's director of public works. 
And he doesn't even tell us what this guy has done in church. But he says he's a director of public works. Do you have it? Yeah. The city's director of public works. So when you guys think that public works is starting now, it was there, you just didn't read it. And directors were there, you just didn't read them. It's in your Bible, isn't it? I didn't write this one. So, why, Paul, would you want to include even the director of public works when you are greeting these people and all that? I don't know why, but I think. Do you know that there are people who think that in church we are just a bunch of frustrated guys who don't know what we're doing? Hey, they think we are in church because we don't know what to do. They don't know that some of us have got credentials out there. We just don't parade about it. Okay? Yeah, it's true. Google some of us. You will see what credentials. You will see what credentials we have. But we don't parade about that because when we are in church, we are not here for that. Isn't it? But we need some of people like this Erastus so that at least it's good for our image, man. When people in the world think, ah, these guys, a bunch of guys who don't know what they are doing, then they know there are some Erastus among them. So probably there should be something right in what they are doing. The other part, when I see the involvement, when I hear Erastus and the city's director of public works, I also see that even as a church, we should also have some among us in church who are interested in what's happening in the communities. Okay? The church has got to play a role also in the community. And you might find that in a church like this, not all of us will be involved in the spiritual side of the church, but we also need people who help us with things that help us with community outreach, linking with the communities. Now you see everybody is important. Are you getting this? Yeah, you should locate yourself at least among some of these. If you haven't located yourself yet, let's go to Colossians chapter 4. Maybe you will get yourself there. Colossians chapter 4, 7 to 15, New King James Version. Colossians 4, 7 to 15, NKJV. I'll pick some names, but I want to zoom into one because I want to answer a question that I ended up even getting a call from the SABC and they wanted to interview me on something for 10 minutes. I said, I don't talk such things in 10 minutes, but I'll tell you when I come to it. Verse 7, Tichikas, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and a beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Now, I like this guy in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You see somebody here who was laboring in prayer? Yes, laboring in prayer. As Christians, we all need to pray. But there are others who even labor in prayers. So this one says, if I've got a burden to pray, 12 o'clock midnight, I will labor in prayer. Laboring in prayer is not. Let me fall asleep. Have you ever seen people in labor? Do they sleep in labor? Uh uh-uh. uh. When you are laboring, you don't sleep. Tell your neighbor, when you are laboring, you don't sleep. Yeah. So it means if there is something that you are laboring about in prayer, don't sleep. Labor in prayer. So he says, he is laboring for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So we need intercessors. We need people who will labor in prayer. He says, for I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, 
and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Look, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphas and the church that is in his house. You see, people, there were people who were, a lot of people offering their houses for church. You see the other one now. The church in his house, Nymphas. You see that? But I want to talk a bit about Luke, the beloved physician. Even for Luke here, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did on the spiritual side. It just says he was a good doctor. Beloved Dr. Luke. Okay? So obviously, if he was a beloved Dr. Luke, the physician, then there should be nothing wrong with going to a physician if you are sick. Let me start there. Okay? But let me answer what the SABs was trying to want me to answer. It doesn't need 10 minutes. But for you, because you know what I stand for, I'll explain. Okay. So they wanted to understand how do you marry medical science and healing through faith or through scriptures? How do you bring the two together? They said, because you are a pastor and you are a doctor, probably you would help us with this. I said, hey, unfortunately, I'm, I'm more of a pastor than a doctor, so I'm a bit skewed. Okay? But this is the context. So I told them what I believe in, and I told them, I'm not going to take that interview for 10 minutes because you're going to confuse people. If you're going to talk about this in 10 minutes, you're going to confuse people. Or they want me to drive a certain agenda, which is their agenda, and I'm not prepared to do that. I'll tell you why. I want to follow the master's plan on dealing with this one. Jesus, when he dealt with people who were sick, he always asked them, what do you want to do for you? So it had to be their faith would be signs for them, isn't it? In other words, you can't come to me and say, Pastor, must I leave the medication? You, you, you must decide what you want. You can't come to me and say, Pastor, must I go to the doctor? Must I not go to the doctor? You decide, isn't it? But whatever you decide, I've got to stand with you and support you in faith. Isn't it? So let me show it to you in the scriptures, what I'm talking about. This is my approach, so that at least if people ask you, you know what the pastor stands for. So it's, I don't decide for you. You decide what you want, because that's what Jesus used to do with the people. Okay? Many people decided how they wanted to get healed when they came to Jesus. And Jesus respected that. And I want to respect that with you. So let's go. I want you to read now, Mr. MJ. You will have your... Work cut out because I want you to read three portions of scriptures. Maybe I'll read another one for you. Is there somebody who can help you? Your wife is not here to help you. Somebody who can help Mr. MJ. We're going to read Mark 10, 51 and 52. You can do it in the New King James Version. It's fine. Mark 10, 51 and 52. We're going to read Mark 5, 25 to 34. We're going to read Matthew 8. 5 to 13. And we're going to read 2 Chronicles 16, 12, and 13. So let me repeat them. Mark 10, 51 to 52. Mark 5, 25 to 34. Matthew 8, 5 to 13. 2 Chronicles 16, 12, and 13. Did you get that? Okay, we're going to read them, and I want to show you why I believe the way I believe and why I tackle this the way I tackle it. Because some of you may say, hey, we don't want to phone the pastor when we are going to the doctor. It seems he doesn't believe in this. No, you misunderstood me. If you thought I, I don't believe the way you are believing, it's your faith. Okay? I need to support you in your faith the same way that Jesus did. Now, I want to ask you, so read for us Mark 10. 51 and 52. Let's start there.
Okay. Now, that sounds simple, isn't it? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He saw that the man was blind, but he doesn't decide for the blind man. So why do you want me to decide for you? Eh? You decide yourself. So Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus says, let it be to you according to your faith. Be healed. And the blind man could see. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus had said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, don't you have some money? I need some money. Do you think he would have been healed? Huh? Uh-uh. He would have been given money, not the healing. You get that? He says, what do you want me to do for you? I will respect what you want, and may it be to you according to your faith. Okay? So it's according to your faith. Go to, 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 to Mark 5, 25 to 34. This one is the woman with the issue of blood. Okay? Even here you will see. She starts by going to natural means, and then when she's stuck and she sees that it's not working at some of the points, then she goes to Jesus, and Jesus still heals her without necessarily having to rely on natural means, which means Jesus can do it even without natural means, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it just depends on, just read it again, just read that one, and I'll just want to pick one point. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark okay. 5. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years mm. and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So, she, she was getting worse by prayer, is it? Was she getting worse because of praying and standing on faith? Why was she getting worse and not getting healed? It says in the hands of physicians, which means as human beings, we are limited, isn't it? There are some things that human beings won't be able to manage. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just saying natural means are limited. Now, if a natural means is limited, let me just take a simple one here. If you only rely on natural means and you never exercise your faith, when there comes one that natural means cannot handle, how are you going to survive? It's the same one when Jesus says the people who build their house, he says the one who built his house upon the sand and the other one built his house upon the rock. The one who builds upon the sand, it's easy to make a quick foundation and you don't even go deep. But when the winds come, when the storms come to blow, your house will fall. And when the house falls, do you know that it's very difficult to build when it's raining? Have you ever seen somebody building when it's raining? It doesn't work, isn't it? So it means it's time to build now before you are attacked by an attack that natural means cannot handle. You get that? This is just all I'm saying. I'm not saying you don't need to use that or you need to use that and you need to use that. I just need to say there are things sometimes that you could get stuck if you rely only on natural means. You need to also know how to believe God. So look at the woman with the issue of blood. Now, when she heard about Jesus, her faith was stirred up. And she went, and when she went to Jesus, did Jesus decide how to heal her? Huh? Did she go and say, Jesus, should I continue with the medication that these doctors were giving me. Did she say that? So why now do you want to come and ask me that? It's not fair. Isn't it? You know. You know if you still need it, use it. If you feel you don't need it, then you don't use it, but it's you. Amen? Yeah, I mustn't answer that one for you. I answer it for myself. Okay? For you, it's your own life and your own faith with your God. Okay? So, listen to this woman. Continue. You will see how she did it. Her case was not determined by Jesus. She decided how her case should end. Continue. 
I, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. What was told the, 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 the blind man, listen now. Uh, daughter? Whose faith healed that woman? Her faith. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, if you look at this case, was it Jesus who decided how this woman should be healed? She decided, isn't it? And she decided and she did it her way. Because that's what her faith told her. But I want you to compare that with Matthew 8, 5 to 13. Now, for her, she said, I need to touch him. I need to touch the anointing that is in the man of God. I know I have faith, but I feel I need to touch the man of God. I need to touch and have the anointing flow through my body. She did that, and it worked for her. Isn't it? So she did not say, I just have faith, I will just stand here, and by faith, I believe I'm healed. She felt she needed the anointing. So it means even in your own life, you might feel, I'm standing on the word, I'm believing God, but I feel I need the pastor to lay hands on me. I need that physical touch with the anointed one of the Lord. It's your choice. Amen? But look at this other one, (laughs) the centurion. Matthew 8, 5 to 13. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Okay. You see, Jesus wanted to do it by going to heal him. Maybe then he would even lay hands. I don't know. Probably he would lay hands or something. But that's what Jesus wanted to do. But listen to people of faith. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I, for I also am a, man, am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and hmm. said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such a great faith, not even in Israel. And I say, and I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outside darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very same. Did you guys see this? How did, who decided how this uh, servant of the centurion should be healed? Centurion. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. He says, no, you don't need to come. You can just speak a word. Probably you knew that verse, Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So he said, yeah, you can just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, okay, we honor your faith. Let it be done to you as you believe. To me, it sounds simple. I'm not sure why people want to accuse us of believing something whichever way when things are so simple. You decide what you want. The problem with coping others is this. Okay? Some of you, you've seen other people uh, needing water to get healed or something, bottle to get healed. Isn't it? You don't know where the bottle is coming from. So why do you want to venture on something you don't know? So Because if you look here, imagine if the centurion, because the centurion for him, he didn't go the way that he had the other one do. He went what was, with what was in his heart. Okay? So I'm saying to you, we need to go, go with what is in your heart. I will support you. So if you say, Pastor, I'm attacked by this sickness, 
I want you to pray with me as I go to seek medical attention. I'll pray with you and stand with you. Amen. But you can also choose to say, Pastor, I want you to stand with me. I'm believing God that I will be healed. And I know God can heal me even without using natural means. Our God is unlimited. He can do it, isn't it? So if you believe that way, I can't say you've got to be practical. Because I saw people who believed that way and it worked. And I know it works for me too, isn't it? So the only thing that I would warn you against, it's the Asa story. Second Chronicles 16, 12, and 13. Okay? For the rest, you can do it any other way. If you feel you need medical attention in what you're doing, don't be shy to tell the pastor. The pastor is not against it. Okay? I'll pray with you and I'll stand with you. I'm saying it from here so that you understand. Okay? But if you say you want to stand, you stand. The only thing you don't do is you don't ask me if you should stop the medication. It's not me who is sick. Isn't it? And I don't know your faith. So I can't decide for you what you need to use and what you don't need to use. If you're telling me you are standing on the word and you want to stand and you want me to encourage you and give you more scriptures, I'll do that. But you decide with what is in your heart. Okay? The only one that you shouldn't do is this one. You see, Asa had a walk with God. He, had, he saw how great God is. So there were times when he would do very great things with God. He defeated the Libyans and the Ethiopians who had many big armies with a small army because he trusted God. After that, he now started relying on people. And 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 talks about the eyes of the Lord move to and fro upon the face of the earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him, to show himself strong on their behalf. And he says, Asa, here you have done foolishly. From now on you will have wars. Because now you started relying on men when you could have relied on God. But what he did, which is even worse, 2 Chronicles, verse 16, 12, and 13. This is not a good way to die. You need to die in faith. Okay? Not die out of faith. Look at this. Second Chronicles 16, 12, and 13. Can you read this one for us? At least then you will know. It's not me who wrote it. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. He even, yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physician. So he died First year of his reign. Okay. Did you hear that? Did I write that? Ah, it's in your Bible. So it says, Asa, even when he was very sick, he did not seek God. He kept on only seeking his physician. So I think at least the least he could have done, he could have mixed whatever he was getting from the physician with seeking the Lord. At least, at least have God in the picture. You get that? Is it not clear? To me, it sounds clear. <laughs> so, it sounds clear, but this is not a five-minute thing unless if you want to catch on something. Okay? So, in the body of Christ, we have people like beloved Dr. Luke, isn't it? It's fine. And you know, if you, okay, this is just my advice now. It's not scriptures. When it's not scriptures, I will tell you, because, because then you can disregard it. When it's scriptures, I will tell you it's scriptures. So my advice is this. If you feel you need healing and you need to see a doctor, I would stand with you in faith. But I would also encourage you, if possible, to get a, a doctor who is like Dr. Luke, who is a beloved in the Lord. It's even better. I'm just giving that as an advice. Because sometimes you go there and you say, a doctor, I, I know that the Lord is working. What do you mean now? The Lord is working. 
Because I know there was this one guy. <laughs> this is a real story. It's just that I won't mention the name because Ms. Mango will know the person. He was one of the professors who were with at Medusa. So this guy, he knew himself as a very good doctor. Okay? He knew himself. You know, there are people in the world who would be known as a very good specialist, isn't it? So now, there was this beloved <laughs> Christian who was struggling with a certain disease. And this Christian went to that doctor. And the doctor did what he knows should be done. And the Christian got healed. Now, that Christian went to give testimony in church. Vasalwane, I thank God he healed me. This and this and this happened. Now, you know what that doctor said? He said, hey, Vasalwane, a liar's man. This person was very sick. He came to my surgery. I treated him and God healed. Now he says he's God. It's a true story. So I'm just saying that sometimes it's better if you go to people who also know that God heals. It helps. But that one is not scriptures. When it's not scriptures, you can disregard it. Just my advice. Is it clear? All these things are clear, isn't it? So it means as we are building the church of the Lord, it is the Lord himself building through us. And each one of us has got an important role to play. And some of us, we might even have influence in the communities. It's good. We need people of influence in communities. Like I've said to some of you, if you were to Google my credential, you will know that I'm a person of influence. But that's got nothing to do with church. When the Lord is using me, he doesn't use me because of those things. Actually, it's like Paul. You remember Paul the other time? He said, all these things, I count them as nothing, man, for the sake of Christ. Because what works more, I understand this better. And understand the faith business better. Can we stand up and thank God for the Lord? Heavenly Father.